today I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, Captain Mo Morris. We're going to talk a little bit about Mo's story from Marine through to Captain. Some of the unique opportunities that he's had in his career leading up to current day. And then looking forward to the future, the exciting new opportunity that he has actually created for himself which i know is going to be of huge benefit to serving royal marines and retired royal marines mo we finally and and i'll take the, the hit for this one after all those tech problems we have finally got to this podcast mate so Sorry, I apologize for the for the tech issues. Luckily, my wife came in and saved the day. But thank you, mate, for uh, for giving up your time this morning to come here to be a guest on the podcast. And to towards the end of the interview, I guess, tell everybody about this uh this new exciting role that you're gonna be in. Yeah, mate. I'm mate, pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, I think Mrs. O deserves a drink later on, otherwise uh, <laughs> another few weeks in in the making. Oh, she saved the day there. So with these things, mate, what I always like to do is let the guest lead from the beginning, first of all, with an introduction, um, you know, a little bit about who they are, their career leading up to present day, you know, some of the highlights and everything. And then, like I said, just now, we want to, I want to get stuck into this, this new role that you're in. Obviously we know each other um, we've known each other a couple of years now, so I've seen a lot of the stuff leading to this point, but I think it's very interesting. It's very progressive um, and, and needed. And I know how hard you've worked to get to where you are. So let's let's kind of start from the beginning, mate. Where wherever you want to start from um, when you joined the core, and then we'll chronologically work through it. Yeah, mate. So yeah, I mean, so I was nineteen when I when I joined the core. I remember coming back and saying to my mum, "Oh, by the way, I've just signed up for the Marines." Um, and then within, it was pretty quick, six weeks straight in, in PRMC. And then I think two weeks later, I was, I was started training. Um, I don't really look back. It was, uh, sort of, uh, you know, some people say to me now, they say, uh, would you have any regrets, um, at all? And I say, if I had the option to go back and I could choose to be a Hollywood movie star, um, you know, uh, a global uh, famous singer yeah whatever it might be you know these professions that everyone reveres I'll choose yeah. it again um the people and the the places that I've been and the experience I've had both good and bad have been incredible um yeah it's 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 been it's been a it's been a roller coaster um and basically led me into where I am I'm today so um I, I can't uh I'm not I've got no complaints I'm fairly happy where I am and I'm and I'm looking forward to the future reflecting on the past as a um, and to be thankful for it yeah um so it's been it's been it's been really good mate now i know you're a big fan of of all things mindset and what you just said i want to i want to just very quickly dig into that a little bit so you were 19 and you just what walked into the career center and said i want to join the core went back and told your parents yeah yeah so i think mate i think the the sort of the the provocation for that was a lot of a lot of my friends at the time weren't really doing a great deal. Like I, I sort of didn't really do too, I didn't really do too well at school. Um, you know, it's probably for a lot of boys just disenfranchised, you know, messed about. I know that you know, we, if we do a podcast the other way, mate, we can talk about yours. Um, but you know, <laughs> you, you get my point. And um, school didn't really do it for me, and. And uh, I've worked hard. I had a strong work ethic. I got that from my mum and dad, no problem. Um, and then I'd, I'd been in the cadets before, which is where the link came from. And okay. I, just, I literally just woke up one day and went, I'm going to join the Marines. Yeah. And I'd been threatening to do it for a long time, but I never did. And I went, right, I'm doing it. And I just got, I, I got up, I got on the, on the train, went into Waterloo. Was Charing Cross was where the, um, the career centre was in London. Walked in and said, I want to join the Marines. And that was that. And I came back nonchalantly and said, yeah, I've, I've just signed up for the Marines. Like, it was literally like that. But I think the premise, or the, the backstory behind was that, you know, that was 19 and I'd been thinking about it when I was 16. Okay. And so, but not a lot, but that's kind of like where I thought my, where I wanted to go. But the sort of decisive action probably came across as I just went and did it. But, you know, thinking about it, there was, 
it was probably a long time in the making, but I didn't realise it. Right. Um, yeah, that was that, and we started training. Um, like within six weeks, did you say you were you were in on the PRMC? It was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah it was pretty quick. They were, um, they were, they were, yeah. So from signing up, medical, um, psychometric testing, straight into PRMC. Yeah. So it was, what it was, year was that? Two thousand and one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so you're straight in the training um, back then, because that's when I went through. So that was 30 weeks back then, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So then you go through all that. We won't go into it's all that. It's then 32 weeks. It was more intense then. They've got more time to do the same stuff now, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Now they've stretched, they've stretched it out a bit now, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you went through, yeah, we won't go into training because 90% of the people that listen to this have, have heard loads of training bits before. But you pass out. You got obviously 2001 was was 911, so you knew there was going to be a couple of things going on. But you were you were a PTI. Is that your first SQ in the core? No. So before that, so that so I suppose my career's been split into two really. Um, and one, so when I passed out, um, I was fortunate enough, um, which is going to sound crazy to some people, to to go on Up Banner, Northern Ireland, with four two. Passed out on the Friday. I joined the unit on the Monday. And I think it was the Wednesday we were flying out um, to do the last three months of that tour in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland. Really lucky um, to have that exposure. We came back and I don't know if you remember, there was uh, the core was going down the route of Commando 21. I don't know if you yeah. remember. That, yeah. Four commando units and everything. Yeah. So, so J, so four, two commando had re-rolled and J company was reborn. So that was, I was part of the new, so J company historically, obviously the Falklands. Um, it was stood up um, from the naval party down there and then it was disbanded again and then it stood up again uh, 2002 and I was part of that initial um, initial company and then a couple of months later was uh, Iraq invasion of Iraq mm-hmm. um, and we went and did that and the, the pot that we had from there the post-operational tour league was amazing I mean it's like 10 weeks overall yeah. you know like it was like a holiday central it was amazing um, yeah and then you know, went to Norway, um, went to America, um, sailed to America on the East Coast. Yeah, it on Aurora? Then, yeah, on Aurora, yeah, 2004. Yeah, on that one, down in Virginia. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, yeah, good bodies and that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was a really sort of action-packed first few years. And mm. because of that, I selected promotion quite quickly. So okay. I, ended up, I ended up going on junior command course in 2005. So it was three years as a Marine, which was... Wow, that's was fast. Pretty quick. I mean, I found the biggest hole in that net and managed to slide through it. So, you know, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, it is, it is pretty quick. Um, and then I became, a, I was a corporal, um, like in no time at all. And I'm like loving life. Like, this is amazing. Like, you know, my, my perception on it. I went to FPG, um, I was 4-3 Commando now in Scotland. Um, and I remember being up there and having that, having that, that, that um, lifestyle. Um, was so intense for a young Marine. It was amazing. Mm. And then I go to Fleet Protection Group and I sit there behind the wire on the nuclear um, on the nuclear taskings and I was like, okay, this is not necessarily what I want to be doing. Right. So then I remember calling, uh, it was a, a guy called Dave Officer who was our Sergeant Major at the time. Yes. And I said, uh-huh. right, I've been here, I've been here three, three weeks and I want to, what else is there to do? And he said, um, well, how about Northwood? And I went, yeah, I'll go to Northwood. And the point to this is I then go to Northwood, which is in near Watford, North mm-hmm. London. Most incredible time um, that I had there. And I met uh, Baz O'Connor. Okay. Baz O'Connor is a PTI. Yeah. Baz O'Connell, sorry, is a PTI. He's now got a, a gym, State of Mind Fitness, in uh, Hammersmith. And I, I still see him um, now I'm up in London. I was on a boxing team with Baz. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Baz is doing really well for himself now as well. It's amazing to see. Who's like, that, really- the guy who trained the ginger boxer? Was it, is he called Groves? Yeah, George Groves, yeah. George so, Groves, he was yeah. the corner for the world title fights um, for against Cole Frotch and Badu Jack in Vegas. They're still really good friends. But Baz is sort of the earth guy. But he was the PT2 there and he said to me, because uh, I was a PW at the time, um, he said to me, uh, do you want to do a PT course? And I went, no. And he went, what are you scared? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he went, what are you scared? And, it, and I went, no, go on then. Um, and that's how, it, <laughs> that's how it sort of came to be. But, the con- but in, in that, when I was at Northwood, I was really close to leaving the service because 
I wasn't being challenged. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, PWs are really important, but weapons wasn't really doing it for me. Range packages wasn't doing it for me. Like the, the conducting of them, I love doing them, but like mm. it just, just wasn't my thing. So yeah, I, I, I did the PT course, passed it. And uh, uh, yeah, it was amazing. The PT course, it was uh, best, is the best career move that I decision I've made without a question of a doubt. Yeah. And how long after that then? Because you seem like the kind of bloke that things just happen fast, you know? And yeah. how long after that then did you get selected for your seniors? So, mate, so the whirlwind. So I've not done a two-year assignment um, in, in, in the course since 4-2, which is when I passed out. Um, because I'm, I am definitely a person that looks for opportunity rather than wait for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, some people may agree or disagree with that, but it's not, it's, I'd rather choose, my, have a control over my career path and be available and, and, and take that opportunity than, than wait for what, what's, what's left and what's around. Yeah. So I remember being, I remember being in the staff room toilet, sat on the toilet and the branch sponsor at the time, he was in the cubicle next to me. This is now, <laughs> honestly, honestly, so we were, we were, uh, um, we were uh, sat there and, uh, and he said, who's that in there? I said, oh, it's Mo- Mosa. Um, and he said, all oh, right. He said, oh, it's funny that I need to speak to you. I said, okay, like I'm on the toilet. Yeah. Right. He said, um, there's a, um, there's a potential assignment to SF- SFSG, um, which, which was you know, only a couple of years old, um, special forces support group. Um, I said, okay. He said, I noticed on your preferences that you had that down as a choice. I said, yeah, you know, I'm six weeks now as being a PTI, literally finished my course. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, next thing I know, four weeks later, I've joined the unit. Wow. And with that, they're going to Afghanistan like six weeks afterwards. So like, I did minimal time on as a PTI um, post twos when you should really do 12 to 18 months to learn your trade. Okay. And then the next thing I know, within that conversation of being on the toilet with him, about three months later, I'm on a plane to Afghanistan for six months um, with SFSG. Okay. And I'm like, you know, I then get back. Um, I remember, I remember uh, speaking to the branch, the, 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 the new branch sponsor saying, I can go back out with uh, four, two and four or five because I know there's PT gaps, you know, like the adjustment when you get back. And he was like, no, you need, you need to leave. I then... That was where then I I I I, had my, I submitted my notice. There was a few reasons that I I, I did that, um, which you know, the circumstances. I, I submitted my notice to leave the service, but I never wrapped. I never gave it. I, I was professional um, and did everything that I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And about two months from leaving the service, I realised what I was doing wasn't going to work. Okay. But at that time, you, you weren't, because the, the, the Marines were full, you couldn't take your notice out to leave. Oh, so you're 10 months into the process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went, what I'm doing is not going to work out. There's a right. few things that happened. It's not going to work out. And I, I was flapping. So I remember speaking to um, Baz Colarusso. Um, he's uh, uh, down at NCHQ now. He's the chief of staff. And Bo Beauchamp was the, uh, the, the branch sponsor then. And I remember speaking to Baz and I, and I remember the phone call uh, vividly and I said, look, I've made a big mistake here um, and I need some help, but I know the, what the current trajectory is at the minute and not allowing people to take their, withdraw their notice to leave. Um, and do, do you know what? Um, Baz and Bo Beauchamp, they basically saved my career. Like, I'll never forget the, like, what they did um, and the arguments that I, know, that I know that Bo had with um, NCHQ um, with, with Manning to say, no, we want to keep this guy. Yeah. And we want him to retain as a PTI as well. We don't want him to go anywhere else. And like, I can, I, they will never understand how thankful I am of that because had that not happened, then I would have been outside and probably lost my way again. Yeah. But because of big, and interestingly, so I then remember speaking to Bo and he says to me, um, right, we've done it. We've taken, we've taken your, uh, we've managed to retain you. I said, sir, thank you very much. And always operating on the don't ask, you don't get. Um, he said, is, I could, he sort of sensed there was something else I wanted to say. And he said, <laughs> is there anything else? And I said, so I, I don't want to seem ungrateful here, but um, 
his only chance of being able to get on an RIs course. Okay. He yeah, he looked at me as if to say, you're yeah. lucky, like, you know, yeah. anyway, leave it with me. And then within within a couple of months, I'd taken my, my notice, my notice had come out and I was loaded onto the next available RIs course. On when I was there, I was then selected for promotion. So in amongst all of this, wow. I then picked up to see as a sergeant as well, because, you know, you work with good guys, you can only, you know, you surround yourself with good people, good things happen. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's that's ultimately like why I say when I joined the PT PT spec, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because of, of incidents like in, incidents like that. Um, yeah. You know, it was really pivotal and momentous, which is then, you know, I then selected for promotion, did my senior command course. And this is where my second career started as the way I see it was when, Bo said to me, you're going to go to 40 Commando as the unit RI. And I said, yeah, no problem. He said, but I need you to go to Hasler for three months. Okay. That's a stopgap. And I look back on that now, that, that, that flippant comment he made, that was, the, that was the defining moment of where my second career, as I call it, within a career happened. And it's quite, quite an emotional, um, it's quite emotional to think back at the time of where it started and, and just through for like fortuitous reasons where I then went to Hasler um, for that three months. That's where I met Scoobs. That's where I went to the Wounded Warrior Games. And that's where that started. That's where my journey in, in Wounded Indian and Sick and everything else really, really started up until that moment. If I'd yeah. not gone there, I wouldn't be sat where I'm now. You know, so... so this, uh, is, this is the where I wanted to lead this conversation to, mate, was how you got in, involved with the wounded engine sick. Um, can you just, before we get into that with Scoobs, I like to talk a lot about Scoobs because he's, he's a hoof and bloke. Can you just explain a little bit to those who don't know what Hasler Company is? Yeah, I mean, so Hasler has Naval Service Recovery Centre, as it's called now, but for, for you know, for the old, older guys, old, old and bold, it's the Hasler Company. So when Afghanistan um, was was uh, started to pick up and, you know, unfortunate SMEs in amputation like yourself start, started to come back, the Royal Marines, as it normally does, goes, hold on a minute, we need to look after our guys. And a recovery cell for these individuals, initially it was for when um, the complex trauma Complex trauma casualties were coming back from um, from Afghanistan. You had the likes of Bob Toomey at Head, um, Headley Court, yep. who was obviously the Royal Marine there that worked in like tirelessly to make sure you know everything that we know now about and and the processes and procedures that we've got now were built off guys like him. Yeah. Um, and and the the inception of Hazler Company at the time to look after our own and and fight a system which is which didn't understand it because we hadn't had that level and volume of, of, of casualties returning from operations for a very long time. So it was, it, it needed a bit of work. And um, so, yeah, that's what it did. And, and it, and it, and it was a place where that bootnecks could go to feel like bootnecks again, and they could go to be around like-minded individuals and be managed by people that understand them, that, may have been on that on that i mean you know you know yourself you you were you were unfortunately had gone through that process so you know you're, you'll understand that better than me um because i joined it later on i'll tell you what it was for me with hasler company I, I was the first person in hasler company the first casualty with uh with ben mcbean shortly behind yeah. when it was just an oc a sergeant major a clerk and then literally me and ben that was it and because of the way the core works you know, you generally do two and a half, three years at a unit. You bounce to another one, bounce to another one. With, with my particular situation, you do all the pre-deployment training, you deploy, then you come back and go on pothole. And then when you go back to the unit, you either get bounced out or everyone that you started with have all bombarded. Yeah. And so you lose a sense of ownership. And when people yeah. say, what unit are you at? I'm like, well, you know, I'm at Hasler, uh, pardon me, I'm at Headley Court doing my rehab. And before that, I was at this hospital and then, you know, like three years ago, I was 40 commando, but my boss, sergeant major, counterparts are no longer there. So I don't really know who I belong to. And then Hasler Company came along. Yeah. And so then when they asked me that question, I said, I'm a, I'm a Hasler Company rank. I belong in a place company. to be. Yeah, right. you had a place to be and belong. 
yeah and, and I knew where my home was and again like you said I had other people around me in a similar situation who understood what I was dealing with and specialist trained staff who were you know there's obviously same as any other bootnet unit there's hierarchy rank and there's that line but it was just slightly softened in Hasler company because of people's yep. situations you know it wasn't yep. so strict down the line monday morning parades and, and all that kind of stuff we maintain standards because that doesn't that doesn't um that doesn't ha- it can't happen that way because no. the clientele the patient group are not in the what we would see as a norm bracket they right. have personal you know every every single every single um patient per service person member of Hasler, whichever ever description that you prefer to use has their own individual need mm-hmm. and their own their own um no no two two people are the same so right. you and another triple amputee could go into Hasler and everyone could go oh that they've, they've both lost the same limbs in the same places but you're completely different in yeah. the way that you handle it your family dynamic your financial um situation the situation in which it happened if there was other people that may have injured or died at the same time mm-hmm. psychological state i mean the variables are huge even though it looks to be the same mm-hmm. and so you, and and hasler i think adapted quite quickly to understand that because they had bootnecks trying to understand bootnecks which made sense and the lads allowed them to be understood because they were talking to bootnecks it was like you know one of these sort of like oh yeah, this kind of works, ideas. And it's just evolved from there. Yeah, and people used common sense, you know, and they were, they were grown up, you know, with, with it. And then that's why it worked. And as you know, now it's evolved into a, a tri-service um, organization looking after all guys in the Southwest who are looking at medical discharge. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal place. It's, um, it's a, a really difficult place I think to to work sometimes because it's a high emotion um, because you you invest so much into people um, and you can't sustain that as a member of staff all the time mm-hmm. um, you, you know and uh, but yeah it's, it's an incredible place and things don't happen quickly there because of the nature of the people that you that you have um, that you're trying to support but when it does it's huge wins. Mm. It huge wins and that is that is the 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 attraction for me that was the attraction for me um which i didn't realize until that point at which i was given a fortunate three months there you know which gave me that exposure and it was at has the company that you met um the legendary scoobs phil eagle show um how did that let's talk a little bit about that because you guys have done a lot of stuff together including i think the paralympics yeah, mate. So, um, so I, I remember meeting Scoobs. He was on a Segway um, to start with, and I'm like, you know, who's this like, <laughs> you know, who's this scrawny Irishman that's cutting around on this Segway? You know, yeah. gobbing up as, as he as he does. I remember. And, um, I'm like, who is this bloke? Um, but part of part of that three months, I you know, as as um, anyone that will listen to this that will know me, I do. I make my own luck, but I do land on my feet. And so I managed to go out to the Wounded Warrior Trials, um, which was out in San Diego, you know, terrible place to go two weeks. Yes. Um, and uh, and that's where I got to know Scoobs better. He took part in shooting. I mean, so so basically Scoobs was, um, Scoobs fell ill um, in on Herrick 12. He contracted Q fever. Um, which is, you know, a, it's a, an abbreviation for question fever. And there's different reports on how it, how it came to be. But one of the, one of the, um, one of the reports is led to believe that there was um, in the, in the 80s, the Russian involvement in Afghanistan, there was maybe some things that were used there that, that, that might not have been known about. And it was uh, by this thing biologically mutated. Um, that was one, one thought. But long story short is Q fever. He um, he breathed in, and he contracted this this uh, disease. That's all he did. He breathed in. He didn't he didn't make a tactical error. He didn't um, he didn't um, like go off on a tangent. He didn't do anything like that. It wasn't you know 
I think for him now, if you speak to him, he would rather have something caused by the enemy than than just breathing in. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, having spoken to him, and, and that sounds crazy because we're like for someone that doesn't necessarily understand this, like splitting hairs, because you both, whether you're caused by enemy or not, you both end up in a situation that you don't want to be in. Yeah. But psychologically, that's that's where it was, and it and basically what this thing does, this disease does, it started attacking his um his his like immune system. It attacked his phys physical ability, um, and he's he, you know he's been tested for motor neurons disease, Parkinson's, all sorts, um, because no one knows much about this. No, it's it's a small percentage of the world that I've ever ever had it. Mm -hmm. um and he slowly started declining and we didn't know whether he was gonna decline to death to to a limit recover it at all like no one knows and so um yeah so he went out and so he did shooting and he actually was pretty good at it I mean he came second I think in his first competition um the next year we went, that was, that was 2000, I went four years on the, in a row. So I was very lucky to go. Nice. Obviously did a good job, you know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so we went the second year. But the second year, they asked me if I would be his carer. Okay. So me and him obviously struck, struck a chord. We hit it off and we became, we started to become quite close. Well, the second year he was um, on a seated Segway and was finding daily tasks like, you know, showering too much for him he couldn't it wasn't that it was taking a long time he just physically was struggling to do it yeah. um like stupid stupid things to people that would they're not stupid but they would seem stupid if you didn't understand it like i'd go and get a, a we'd go to a coffee shop and I'd, I'd order a a coffee but we'd sit in but it'd be in a takeaway cup because the china is heavy and the takeaway cup's not. And I'd say, oh, can I get some ice cubes in the top, please? And people just wouldn't get it. Because if he's got to lift it, he can drink it straight away without burning his mouth and put it down again. So it's economy of effort. It's so he doesn't have to wait for his coffee like everyone else wouldn't have to do. And it provides that um, ability, not disability, in a, in a group of people. Yeah. Like, there's just little tweaks. So, yeah, so... Um, so the following year, I went with him and I was his carer. And they asked me, I remember Hasler, um, Helen, uh, the physio, she phoned me and said, look, strange request, you want to be his, his carer? And I said, well, does he want that? I mean, what do you mean by that? Like, it's a bit, bit weird. And it was, you know, to help him um, on his daily tasks. It was to help him, um, you know, follow him around and be with him. And, and I went, okay, if he wants this, then yeah. So we went and that, you know, we, we developed a, an amazing relationship that, um, from there and you know the guy's like he's he's as other than blood he's like my brother um and, and we've we've shared a lot um we've shared a lot and he you know as we get on to but he he um was at the start of where the mental health in it like idea came from um but yeah i mean what that bloke's been through and what his family's been through i mean you could make a movie out of it yeah and people wouldn't believe wouldn't believe it but to put that into context the guys that I worked with at Hasler not the staff but the the, the guys and girls that were there can make a movie out of any of their lives mm -hmm. and to me that was where the attraction and the addiction came from because I wanted to be around you guys because the inspiration that you that you ooze through your vulnerability and you don't realize you're doing it is incredible. And it inspires people. It inspired me to be better than I, than I, than I was being because I'm looking and I'm thinking, well, if these guys are doing it, there is no excuse for me not to do it. Mm -hmm. And I want it to, and like for me to be around the likes of Rosie, um, who, who, where I fully understand, I, 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 I did to retract slightly, um, at the end of the the first Wounded Warrior games that we went to, it was a great holiday. Great, great um, sporting um, events. The lads loved it. But I didn't really get... I thought I got the lads. I thought I got it. 
until the end, when we were in the hotel and we were waiting to leave. And I said, has anyone seen Rosie? And they went, oh, I think he's still in his room. And I'm thinking, right, the, the transfer is going to be here soon. Mm-hmm. So off I go, I go up to his room, knock the door, Rosie answers. I said, everything all right, mate? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah everything's fine. Um, I said, do you need a hand of anything? And to, like, so for context, Rosie was in an explosion in Afghan, lost the sight in one eye, was, um, has got visual burns on his, on his body, on his face. And then on, I, th- I believe it's his left hand, has lost the use of his fingers other than his thumb and a part of his other part of his um one of one of his one of his other fingers um and i remember him turning around i followed him in do you want a hand with anything excuse the pun um and he uh he said no no i'm good and he sat on his black grip squeezed it together with his knees and he's doing his bag up that was toppers because he had loads of gifts in it for his kids and he he was struggling to do the zip up because he couldn't grip it with two hands like i would Mm -hmm. And I sat there and it was like there was this, this cloud that, that parted in front of my face. And right. I went, I get it. It, it makes me emotional. Like I said, it's twice I've said this now. Everyone's going to be like, what, what's the matter with this guy? But it, ma- it makes me emotional thinking about it because the, the, the level of detail that actually, and you, you will know more, more than I will. The reason it's not about him going to the Wounded Warrior Games to compete in sport and feeling equal. The reason why, the, the things that he struggled most with was not being able to put, bang a nail in the wall to put a picture of his kids up. Yep. The daily dad functions, yep. that, you know, the blue jobs, you know, that sort of stuff. That's what he struggled with the most. And you, we sit there and we, and we, and we go, Rosie had an incredible two weeks. It was, it was inspiring to see him do what he did as well as everybody else. But it's that part where the likes of Scoobs can't ride the bike alongside his kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the, it's the, his son Mason saying, dad, come and play football. And he can't kick a ball with his boy. That is the stuff that I realized in that moment was the stuff that I can try and help with and right. I can try and make a difference with. And that's where my, my um, drive and passion came from to be involved in that because mm-hmm. it was, it was quite, it was quite a profound moment. Um, seeing that and then going, I get it. It's yeah. not just about getting up and down steps. That is a problem, yeah. but it was those little things that were the biggest issues that we would miss completely because we never saw it because that's personal to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, and it continues, mate. You know, one of the, the long-term goals I've got on my list is to walk both my daughters down the aisle. Do you know what I mean? And, and I don't have any legs. So for, for Scoobs as well, you know, being uh, less mobile and, and other lads, though, that you're right. Those are the things, doing your grip up. And I think a lot of those things, like the Wounded Warrior, and we'll, we'll progress on to Invictus in a sec. Though, yeah, you know, the sport is the main focus of it, but it is, it's going out and then it's figuring out the real life things, you know, especially if you're someone who hasn't really put themselves back out there post-injury. When you, when you go in that environment, you're kind of forced to, and then you have to figure that stuff out. Like, how do I do my grip up with one hand? How do I negotiate this obstacle? How can I go into a, a coffee shop publicly and enjoy my coffee without it being a massive headache. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All and, those stuff. And, and, and everyone looking and staring. Right. And even though that they're probably staring because it's not through anything other than I've never seen that before, but that, you know, having been with Scoobs and, and been with him on so many trips because I went, you know, I went on his, I, you know, I basically ended up um, being his carer when we went away on trips um, because it just, it allowed it just gave julia reprieve and in space to to breathe almost you know um having been with him for so long that's the stuff that becomes the issue and that's what i'm like well of course i'll go with you on these trips other than the fact that they're good trips but yeah. i want to i want to help you yeah. i want you to rely on me to be able to speak to the likes of you know and, and chris chris won't mind me saying this but the likes of chris hayes like back in the day getting on a bus was a huge issue 
and we work through that together. That's that that to me is like better than any financial reward I could ever get. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's such a simple thing to a lot of people, but means so much to him. Yeah. You know, and that that's where that's where it, it came from, and that's where um, a lot of my my issues ended up manifesting itself with, which is uh, again, you know, something to to chat about soon. But but you moved on from there, didn't you? From um, not moved on, progressed. In, if you want to use that word, obviously the Invictus Games was born. Um, loads of lads from Hasler, from Headley Court, um, were all involved in that. And if I remember rightly, you were you were still a sergeant at the time, right? Yeah. So it's you know, this is quite you know not a bad bit. Um, out in it, so we're out in a winning warrior games. Felt inspired. I'm like right. Um, one of the lads, Dan Phillips at 40, said, can we do a triathlon? And we're like, yeah, okay. And I bet we can't do a run though, because, you know, the 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 the, the musculoskeletal injuries, you're not allowed to impact. He went, well, why don't we do a swim bike in a row? And I went, all right then. So we did it around the hills of the Contox and we just cracked it. Mm-hmm. And the lads were buzzing. And I'm like, okay, there's something in here. We then did the first one at 40 the year after. And then... This is how, like, when you surround yourself with good people, we wouldn't go to Wounded Warrior Games again. I'm then speaking to uh, Vicky Goslin, who at the time was uh, was Harry, Prince Harry's right-hand woman, mm-hmm. right-hand person, in organising the inaugural Invictus Games. Yeah. She came out to San Diego, and I said, oh, any chance I could get a coffee? What's the chances of him? We've got um, the, the the first one at CTC in 2014, the Rehab Triathlon. Mm-hmm chance of him coming because I hear that he's doing this thing with Invictus I wasn't too sure what that was um but any chance we could get him there because it's like the first one and we invited the Americans we invited the French over veterans uh, you know as you know you've done it you 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 know what it's about and she went yeah all right we'll see how it goes don't ask don't get so I remember the Wednesday or the Wednesday before like seven days before the rehab triathlon in 2014, I get a phone call from Vicky Goslin out of the blue. Right, he's coming. Sorry, <laughs> what? Right, um, yeah, it's booked in. Prince Harry's coming to CTC next week. Now, in order to officially invite somebody like that, right. the levels that you have to go through to get um, an invite in is is like for us it's a it's 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 ridiculous the levels but appropriate because otherwise you you have to stream the the invites because they'll be inundated so i just happened to have an off chance meeting with this particular individual you can now imagine when the higher echelons start finding out that he's now coming to ctc you can imagine like the you know be a fly on the wall in that conversation well who's sort of this up Sergeant Morris at CTC. Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah. so I remember walking in to see uh, Andy Garland, who was the IPT at the time. Is it uh, IPT being the um, the uh, the overall uh, lead for Royal Marines physical training? Who mm-hmm. was supporting the event? And I said, "Oh, sir, I've just got uh, just a quick one." I said, "I'll take the blame for this, but I've just had confirmation that Prince Harry's coming to CTC next Wednesday." Now, Andy Garland is. Is is um is fairly chilled out individual. There's not a lot that moves this this man. Um, right. For those that may know him, but he was like, "Whoa, uh, you know, where?" And I told him anyway. After the initial flap, he came to CTC because it fit it fits in with the hundred days to lead into the first Invictus in London. Okay, so there he turns up in his England rugby shirt. And he has a walk round, and he's chatting with the, the guys and girls. And like I remember coming into the gym, and as I walked in, I went left to start the briefing, and he carried on straight, and no one's looking at me. Everyone, because wow. no one knew who's going to be there. Everyone's like looking left, going, right. that, "That's that's Prince Harry." Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, we didn't say, say anything to anyone. And I'm going, "Hello, hello, right? <laughs> we need to start the brief now." You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's was, it was amazing. But yeah, so you know, and be, so I'm. That's where I met. Um, that's where I met Jane Kavanagh um, and Jess Baker. Mm-hmm. And Jane helped me with the categorization. She's an absolute legend, by the way. So's Jess. Mm-hmm. If there's two two women that that I've ever met in my life, um, professionally, that are absolute dynamos in what they do, mm-hmm. it's them. Two. They are. They're they're pretty incredible. 
Um, and Jane did the categorization. I got friends with Jane. And then I remember getting a phone call saying, oh, do you want to come to London and help me with the cycling, swimming and athletics? And I went, uh, yeah, um, on the Invictus Games team. And that's how that, that, that involvement came to be. And she ended up being the chef de mission, as you well know. Mm-hmm. for the Toronto and Sydney games. And then I then went in as the um, the, the chef de mission for sport. So and worked for her overseeing the sport. So yeah, it's just, uh, just the way it all links in is pretty cool. So you've been involved in a lot of stuff, um, you know, Wounded Warrior, Invictus Games. And while there is a, a physical health, mental health crossover there, it's more physical, I think. Um, rehab, recovery, that kind of stuff. But you're big into mental health, resilience, mindset, and I want to talk a little bit now about regain. Can you explain what that is, when that started, and then, I mean, just naturally progress into where you are now because you're now a captain, what you're doing now, and this whole new shiny thing that's uh, that's going to start soon. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, I did two two assignments at Hasler. The first one was for three or four months. I think it ended up being five in the end. And then I, and I volunteered to go back again um, after I, I went in as a PT school instructor after 40 and then went back to Hasler because, because I couldn't keep away from the place. When I went back, just in that short space of time, the patient get demographic changed. It changed quite a lot. Mm-hmm. The complex trauma that we were seeing was still there. But in terms of volume, was less... And there was an increasing amount of psychological illness that we were seeing that was a byproduct at the time of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And, but it wasn't, that was a thing. That's what we thought it was. Okay. And actually, um, Hasler had always had people with psycho- like extreme chronic psychological illness there, but because of, Afghanistan and the complex trauma it was it was net people's eyes were never open to it um that and I, the people that knew knew but the rest what they 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 weren't okay what's this okay. so the psychological illness was something that 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 I fell it fell into basically and um at about the same time Scoobs um, was having a pretty, pretty bad time of it. And Julie, I didn't hear, but I used to speak to him every day. I didn't say, I used to speak to him every day and I didn't hear from him for about three months. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really weird. Like, it's just not, you know, we're like a married couple. And I remember seeing him, um, I remember going around his house, it was before a case conference um, that we had. And I remember seeing him and I was like, you're right. He said, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good. And then in the case conference, I watched him and Julie, like, this is my best mate. I watched him and Julie in floods of tears because five months before, six months before, he'd planned to basically take his own life. And I'm his best mate. Mm-hmm. I saw and spoke to him all the time. And I was oblivious to any change. I had no idea that that is what was going on. And I saw him and spoke to him almost daily. I was away on trips with him. Carer for two and three years. To say that we had a, a intimate relationship in that, in, as far as friends go yeah. is an understatement. And I didn't see any of it. The effect that had on me was one of guilt, was one of why didn't I see it? Why, what, what I should have done something, I should have known. Mm-hmm. Now you've said it, it's obvious. Right. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Too late. Too late. And that then provoked a right, I'm going to have a little look into this because that cannot happen again. That it can't happen again. So I got, um, so I got the, the, um, the lads that had been suffering from mental illness and were talking, there was, um, there was 
Tourette's, there was Asperger's, although that's, you know, for the for the detail amongst um, people, they'll say that's not a mental illness, but so, you know, you, you get my point. PTSD, yeah. stress, depression, alcohol abuse. We had the lot. Like we had, you know, the Marines are cross section of society. Where we are civilians before we join, we're civilians when we leave. We're people, and mm-hmm. so we, we suffer um, from mental illness exactly the same as other people. Maybe more in, in extremists. Maybe we've got more exposure. Maybe you know and that's what the research is looking at now. But we are we're people. So I got them all together and I said, right guys, talk to me, tell me your drips. And you can imagine how that one went. Yeah. Um, it was about it was about four hours later that I sort of like crawled out. You know, like you know if you get washed up on the beach and like <laughs> you can see like the finger marks in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to drag yourself out. You know. Um, but I, 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 I make a joke of it, but it was invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, thought I kind of got this thing together and I was like, right, well, why don't other people know this then? Why don't they, why, why is this, why do we only know this? Why doesn't everybody else know this information? So I went to saw, um, I went, I went to saw, I went to see, um, at the time, Surgeon Commander Coatsy, who was the Naval lead for psychiatry, who's now defense lead. And I said, look, I've got this idea. Um, it's a grassroots initiative, so from the ground up, mm-hmm. which will make it specific, current, and credible. Um, it, we need to have it endorsed by the command. Um, we need medical um, medical um, endorsement also, but it needs to be credibly credibly delivered. Because if you want a message to hit home with bootnecks, and you get another cat badge to talk to them about operations. You know yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah. It's like, it's like the Spartan shield doof, shuts yeah. and no one's allowed in. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. these are the factors you need to overcome. And, and the guys came up with it. The guys, I said, lads, what do you think of a name? And they said, what about regain mm-hmm. and regain for those that don't know a, a regain in the Marines is, is the, the rope across the tank. It's part of the, part of the, um, the uh, the bottom field pass out. It's where you dangle underneath a rope with weapon and rifle, and you need to then get back on top of the rope. It's to re- regain your position, and in life it means to regain something that you once had. Mm-hmm. Perfect yeah. with the strap line when strength alone just isn't enough. If you're doing a regain on the bottom field, no matter how strong you are, you need technique, you need instruction and coaching from the instructors to help you get back on top of the rope, talk you through it when strength alone just isn't enough, it doesn't matter how strong you are, if you are suffering from, at the hands of psychological illness, you need, you, you, you need help. Yeah. So it was perfect. I mean, and this is why it was so good because it wasn't a world according to me. These guys who are living, living that nightmare came up with this. It was grassroots and that's why it started to evolve because other people would resonate with it. Other people would be able to identify with it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it went, and we, you know, and we we did a pilot, and the, the whole point of Regain was to deliver basic education. I mean, if I can understand it, then anyone can understand it, you know. Um, re- like reduce stigma, and everyone everyone talks about reducing stigma, increasing barriers to street um, to treatment, but also streamlining that access. So we managed to um, we managed to pilot self referral, so mm-hmm. raw Marines and attached ranks to those units are able to phone DCMH, the Department of Community Mental Health, which is the military's mental health services directly. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not, uh, on, it's not, um, you know, that is quite contentious, but Royal Marines can do it. So you, sorry, mate, to butt in, but so you mean like if there's a lad who's serving and he's suffering? Yeah. If he's maybe intimidated to go through the chain of command or worried that, you know, embarrassed, whatever the it is, because people have a whole range of reasons why they yeah. don't. Yeah. Simply pick up the phone now, self-refer, and just get rid of all those barriers that would perhaps stop him. And it perfect. Okay. Right. Yeah. And that's what we thought. So part of the part of the Part of this was so that could streamline the access. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it happens, really. We want them to get in to see the best people that can help them recover and regain what, mm-hmm. what they, where, they, where they want to be. Um, and the earlier we can do that, the better. Mm-hmm. Because if someone's, something starts 
turn into a chronic condition, that's when it becomes more difficult for people to, for you to regain. It's like you're dangling underneath the rope with 21 pounds of rifle. The longer you dangle, the more your grip's going to fatigue. Gotcha. So the harder it becomes to get back on, the harder it comes to get back on the rope. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, what we don't want you to do if we're using that analogy with mental illness is fall off the rope. Right. We don't want you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in, in extremis, that does and unfortunately has happened. Um, we don't want that to happen. So, you know, the analogy is perfect. Um, but yeah, that you know, for whatever reason, you are able to, um, you're, you're, you're able to pick up the phone and you call DCMH. It's a DCMH Colchester. So it's a center point. You'll speak to a medical professional um, and they will triage you and then, and then place you for an appointment at a geographically suitable location, depending on where you are around the country. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's been, there was thought that it was going to be inundated. It hasn't been inundated, but it has been well used. Mm-hmm. So there has been value, but it hasn't overstretched, gotcha. which, is, which, is, which is good on both counts. You know, and at the end of the day, if we can try and you know, pick, these, pick these lads up that we haven't seen, and, and as I've already given an example of, I was Scoob's best mate mm-hmm. and I didn't see it. So coupled with basic education of signs and symptoms, and we're going to be moving into management as well, um, basic management techniques. It doesn't need to be, it needs to be light touch um, information for people to do the best. And it only takes a small adjustment to make a profound effect on somebody, uh, somebody's life. So um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's where, that's where Regain was. And it just went from strength to strength um, and built pace and momentum, which was, which has been really good. So, um, and where's that led you to now? Then let's let's you know we're going to wrap it up soon. But I want to talk about this this new role that you've got, the mental health and resilience lead. I think you said it was called Project Endurance. Yeah. So so that's the delivery part. So Commandant General has been been amazing. Um, he has wholeheartedly backed. Um, Backed the investment into the Royal Mar- current serving Royal Marines and veterans. He, he's been really good, as have his predecessors. Um, he has he has um, provided the resource for for me to move into a full time role, um, coordinating the resilience piece, so the preventative measures. Yeah, that there is a space and a, and a gap for us that we need to that we need to do something in. But also, and then that then coheres and, and streamlines into the, the tech space, treat, and then with the charity, we're going to coordinate what we're doing with Danny um, and, and, and the rest of the rest of the team. And so, but where that will work in is the is a whole is a whole wider project of it's called Op Fortitude. Um, and part of that is project endurance. So I hope we're following this. Yeah. Project oh. Endurance is a foundation. It will be initially a foundation package, which is aimed at hu- optimizing human performance. And that is where the narrative that we will look, to, we are going to look to use because the use of the word well-being for bootnecks, and we've done the research on this, isn't really one that they sort of take to. Human performance, we want to make you better tomorrow than today. That's exactly where, where we want to be. We want to make you a better soldier tomorrow. So if you're a high flyer um, and you're nailing it and you're, you're doing really well, how can we make you better? Mm-hmm. We still want to make you better. Yep. And if you are on the other side of, the, in, in, on the, other side of the, the coin where you are in a position that you just, you've taken a knee and you are psychologically not, in the, not doing too great, we still want to make you better but the delivery of which will be slightly different. We want to make you better tomorrow than today, no matter where you are on that continuum. And so my role will be working with the, the guys in the human performance cell. So I work within there. And, and they, it will dovetail into the physical elements of being a Royal Marine. And we will be covering things like um, prehabilitation, um, good strength and conditioning practices, um, psychological preventional techniques so resilience we'll be looking at new uh, nutrition like revamping and, and and remodeling the nutrition that we deliver sleep education which is hugely important for recovery 
the whole nine yards. And so this, 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 like the Hasler, which was initially uh, over a beer conversation that, as you said, had a Sergeant Major and OC and a Clark when you and Ben joined, mm-hmm. and now what it turned into, our vision is to make this team, enhance this team to deliver and invest in the Royal Marines that are currently serving. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is we want them to be better soldiers, absolutely. Um, we want the offer for the, to, to Royal Marines to be better than, than what it is. You know, it's good, but we want it to be better. We want to invest in you because we were realizing from training to junior command course, any structured progression wasn't there. You can right. go on courses and you can progress your career, but it is, and, it, and it, it's great you've got room to maneuver. But in terms of your personal development, we want to try and coordinate that better to hit certain waypoints which would be your which would be your uh, career courses if we are teaching people good sleep techniques good pt techniques good nutrition good psychological habits practices if you then do then start moving into an area that you are not coping too well psychologically what do we promote we promote need to do some activity we need you to try and look at like you need to get some better sleep. You need, mm-hmm. We need you to um, do these treatment techniques as opposed to necessarily preventive measures. We need you um, to look at your nutrition. It's all about well-being, but mm-hmm. it's human performance. If we can, if we can install a learned behaviour in our Marines when they're flying high and they're doing doing their best, we will be able to reduce our prognosis. Is we'll be able to reduce the amount of guys that will end up taking, going into um, or suffering at the hands of a mental illness. And if they do, the learned behaviour for recovery is already learnt. And hopefully then their recovery time will be less than what it is without it. So it it makes complete sense what we're trying to, what we want to achieve and what we're trying to to achieve. And as I said, Commandant General has been absolutely incredible in, in his support for making this happen um and yeah we're excited to get, we're excited to get going um, on it Mate, it sounds amazing and you know what? it's really funny I, I geek out and i love this i love the whole human performance space personal development i never thought of this before but the, the, when you said then the difference between the word well-being and human performance when you say human performance the hairs on my arm went up and it's funny how that little tiny adjustment you're 100 percent right you got a bunch of big, hairy, smelly, macho, alpha male bootnecks, and you say, "Do you want to come down for a well-being seminar?" They'll chin it off. But you, uh, you say, "Lads, yeah. do you want to come down and do some high-level humans performance training?" They're like, "Yep, we're in." And that, and, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, we're going to get um, professors of psychology in that have been working with elite sports teams for over twenty years to talk to you about sleep. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know it. it it's a round peg in a round hole. Um, there is so much work to do in this space, but we, you know, we are, we've got, for instance, uh, innovative technology um, that is called the Sparta Force Plate, which the guys are trialing. No one else in defence has got this bit of kit um, that is the Americans and the Australians are using. And Les Barrow um, uh, has, has been brilliant in bringing it into the UK. We've got it for 12 months. This bit of kit, what it can do. It literally is jumping up and down on this force plate, but it can read your physical output and attributes. And then we can then start to understand that if you are going to Norway, then you need to be, we need to have more power or endurance because of the type of type of, um, type of role you're performing in comparison to going on board ship for three months. We might need you to have more of an anaerobic capacity. Therefore, these are the training programs. We start then to have we start to then associate with certain tasks to make them specific to make them better in their environments and make them optimize their performance mm. i mean it's incredible you know and, and this is the stuff that we're, we're getting after and getting amongst and 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 the, the support for it's been been fantastic so yeah i mean it's 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 going to happen at pace the trick will be to try and keep hold of the the management of it because now we're starting to advertise. Everyone wants to know what it is, and that's fantastic because yeah. we'll be pushing on open door. Um, and you know, to complement that, and you know, a cheeky little plug is um, you know, as part of that, we want to try and co- co- capture content. So, 
in the new year, we'll be launching um, a human performance podcast um, called Can't Can Will. So if yeah. you are on Instagram, please uh, give it a follow. And we will be speaking to people that are heavily involved in, in performance to come and talk so lads can access this information um, whilst they're driving into work. So it's not just a, a, a seminar that they sit in and then six months later forget. They can go back to speak to certain people on sleep and nutrition. You know, there'll be some good bits in there as well, but you know, there'll be some really good content that you can that are, that is actionable that you can take away. So yeah, you know, just mention it again. So at um, at can't can will um, it's going to be launching in the in the new in, in the new year in support of Project Endurance. Mate, it's it's all so exciting, like the core holistically like looking at all the advancements and what they're doing in the future and, and now what you're doing I'm, almost, I'm a little bit gutted that i'm not in anymore i'd love to be involved in all this and you know being part of this whole journey that they're on but what you've done mate you know not not just yeah in, in your whole career leading up to this and where you're leading the way now and those doors you're opening and the people that you're helping this is going to live on way beyond you know, when you go outside, this is legacy stuff, mate. And it, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's amazing. I'll take my hat off to you, mate, for what you're doing, because you're leading the way with it. And that's only going to be to the benefit of not only current and, and future serving Royal Marines, but as you know, it ripples out into families and everything, mate. If you're making better Royal Marines, you're making better human beings, you know, and, and it's incredible. Where can people find out, apart from Instagram, where can they find out a bit more about this whole project? Is there anything out there at the minute? So at the moment, the, the publicity, publicity for it um, is, is um, fairly scarce because um, there is an Insta handle for that as well uh, at Project Endurance. Um, but the, there's a pilot, there's a two-day pilot um, going to be happening at 40 Commando uh, next week, I believe. Um, where we're gonna, we, we need to test the water before we, we before we go noisy noisy on this. We there's a, still a lot of work to do um, on piloting where we think we should be and where we need to be um, in a year's time, two years time, three years time, so and and, and so on. So um, yeah, at the moment not so much, but things like this is exposure to let people know what's going on, um, and we. The, the the senior Royal Marines command know what it is. They know something's coming um, and the detail will start falling out um, and, and promotion of, of which um, probably early in the new year. While there is a, a scarcity on, on info, can we leave people your email address if they want to contact you to find out a bit more about it? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, um, if um, if there are if there is anyone that would like to know more, um, so Ryan Morris two three eight at mod.gov.uk. And I will I will physically put that in the show notes for this with the link, so people can just click on it and, and get to you. But as we finish up, uh, Mo, first of all, thank you, mate. This has been mega mega interesting for me. I've really enjoyed this. Are there any parting words that you've got? Any any bits of advice or anything you'd just like to say before we finish up today? Yeah, mate. Thank you for having me on. Um, I've I've really enjoyed it as well. Um, and hopefully the, the you know, messaging and it, and it does come across and it is it's an interesting listen. What I'd say from from a human performance, because that's a narrative that we're working on now, is that if you are if you are suffering or or think someone else is suffering, then please reach out. Um, the, the, if you're a Royal Marine, the Royal Marines charity, um, and defense, the Royal Marines provision serving is there. It, it, we just need to get you in to access it. Um, and if you're, if you're any, any, anyone else outside of that area, please just reach out if you can. Um, the hardest part is, is putting your hand up. Um, we, we don't want people, we, like, it's devastating when people, uh, we hear of, 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 brothers domestically and across the pond that are are taking taking their own lives we don't want that to happen anymore um we you know so just please please reach out and um and and, and ask for that help yeah absolutely mo thank you um thank you for everything like i said it's, it's been really interesting very informative 
Um, we talked off air. I'm going to try and jump on your podcast after Christmas and um, I'll do whatever I can to promote all the great work that you and the team are doing, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. No worries. You take care. Cheers, mate. I told you at the beginning that Mo had an interesting story and I hope that now that you've listened to it, that you'll agree with me. Mo is a fantastic guy who... I think we could all aspire to be a little bit more like he's very proactive. He sees opportunities. He's not afraid to take them. And off of the back of that, great things happen for people around him. He's always looking out for the welfare and the benefit of others. And that has guided him to where he is now. So please, guys, share this episode around. If you think anyone can benefit from listening to it, please encourage them to do so. Thanks as always for subscribing to the podcast, liking the podcast, rating and reviewing the podcast, sharing it around everywhere and helping to spread the good work of members of the Royal Marines family. As always, thank you to our sponsors. This couldn't happen without the support and the help from the Royal Marines shop. Guys, thank you for everything. Tune in next time. I'll speak to you soon.